to the pod. You're here with Reggie and Xavier, your host, and this is Sometimes You're the Frog. Welcome back to Sometimes You're the Frog. I'm Xavier, Reggie's here, um, and today we have a special guest. They've been around the world, exhibited around the world. They're an artist of residence at the Bemis Center. They've shown work at the MCA. They run the Black Star Film Festival, fellow for Leslie Loma Museum 2022. Jesus Hilario Reyes, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, blessed to have you on this <laughs> fine Sunday. We see you in the studio. Yeah, yes. I'm fully, I'm still set up from open studios. For the people listening, uh, what city are you in? I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is not where you're stationed usually. I, wait, are you going? Are you going back to New York after this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm based in Brooklyn, but I have like a series of trips before I get back to Brooklyn. Yeah, a little mini tour. One of those trips, this will be performing at Documenta. So those of you that are going to be there, what are the dates for? Uh, August 6th, I believe. August 6th. Um, with Party Office. And then uh, in Berlin, August 5th at Oyun Berlin with Allies for... Something Futures. I, for, I forgot the title. I'm sorry. <laughs> Allies for Uncertain Futures. They were. Okay. Um, so Jesus is a multidisciplinary artist. He's kind of doing a bunch of shit. Um, can you give us just like a brief bio background? Like, where are you from? How you how you got to this point right now, and then we'll kind of dive into the art. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and I was raised there for a while, and then my family uh, moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and there I grew up a lot in like middle school and high school, um, and I was primarily working like, well, I guess that's not really like a, practice yeah you know you're like in high school but i was painting and i applied to saic with my painting portfolio but ended up doing like the complete opposite um i got more into performance work and studied more art and tech and sculpture um while i was there and so i sort of don't necessarily have like a specific discipline that i continuously do except performance i think i engage with performance a lot but um yeah right now my practice looks more like sound performance land installation and expanded cinema okay and you you spoke a little bit about your time at high school was that just like an arts program arts class was there like can you just talk about the experience? Yeah, I mean, I went to a IB school, so we had like IB art and 
we had, I think, ceramics and painting, and I've never been really good at ceramics. I've never, I never felt <laughs> <laughs> connected to that. Good about anything I made with that. So I was mostly like working in painting, and uh, yeah, I feel like I have like a complete disconnect with painting. I still, I still paint actually, like, but I don't really like take it as serious as like the rest of the stuff that I'm working on. Like in general, or just like right now. Uh, in general, like I like I have paintings I'm working on in my my house that mean something, but not I have not applied it to my general practice. But maybe I am. I don't know. I'm having I'm having like certain qualms with like painting like conceptually, but. Yeah, I feel like first for a while I've I've been against it, but I don't know. I'm thinking a lot about like like sustain a sustainable practice, and so much of what like is a is in the art market is paintings. <laughs> but it's a thought. It's not something I've um, acted out for anything. Just like a reflection on like how I should how you should be spending your time. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, so I'm kind of just going to jump straight in, kind of, into, because okay. I have some questions that I have to decide that will, I guess, kind of bridge into maybe some of the stuff we're working on right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the top questions I have um, is, what is heaven? I've read just in kind of scattered places, just like, um, your approach to spiritual spirituality and the devotion and liberation through dance um, is having a concept you think about when you're working in general. Is that like um, a place that you kind of enter as the arbiter of the music, as well as that like uh, you know a giving? Can you just yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't necessarily know if I use that term at all in in how I think about it, but I mean, when I when I think about you know this devotional aspect to queer nightlife, um, I think of like very specific instances. I don't think it like is always present. Um, I think the audience has to be right. The the group like the people in the space have to be like in this sort of agreement that to kind of like exist in this space and like believe in the space and like really like devote your time and energy to this sort of idea of dance liberation. And I think that's kind of like how I think about any like sort of religion is like an agreement to, you know, uphold certain ideas in it within a space. Um, and so that's kind of like how I've thought about like, my like being in these spaces but then i also think about like the failures that are embedded in those spaces as well like a friend of mine who passed away terrell which you know mm -hmm. um both of you are were friends with him um well i would always invite terrell to those spaces but they they never like wanted to go because they never felt celebrated in those spaces and even daryl says the same thing and so 
like I think about how those spaces like oftentimes fail. Like there's a certain expectation of a utopia that isn't necessarily like really tangible because those spaces aren't devoid of, I guess, the poisons of of like a society, <laughs> for lack of better words. Um, there's still a, a very much like a status quo with what bodies are celebrated, what mm. what type of things are like accepted in these spaces. And like as much as like so much of the theory is about this space that engages with ideas of the other, you know, a, a completely like fogged out room where everybody is like sort of ambiguous. You mean like the some of the theories behind the work you're making? Yeah, some of the okay. things that I'm like reading, like like Legacy Russell in um, Glitch Feminism, Fred Moten also okay, in and um, even, what's his name? Cruising Utopias, Jose Esteban Munoz. Um, they all sort of talk about this, like the dance floor as this space that, you know, has a remedial aspect to it that is sort of like a way to, for people like a some sort of therapy um for that people that can for the, for them to heal like the traumas of the everyday mm-hmm. and you know it's like specifically in queer nightlife it's more so like these people are creating a community of difference that also still upholds this status quo but you know, I guess the, the gesture of it is to create spaces that are inclusive. And so that's why when I communicate, and even in my artist statement, I talk about gestures of like queer utopia because I don't necessarily think it's a complete solid right. idea. I do think it's like, there's, there's intentions that are set, but- It's more I, like a manifestation of a, I guess it's, a, not a state of being because I guess it's more of a collective. Uh, well, actually, I, maybe it could be a state of being as well. Like, there's been space where there's been times where, like, okay, like my experience at Hancho, which is a music festival that happens every year in the summer, and it's like very out in the woods, like in the cut. There's no signal. Um, you kind of like spend the whole day like dancing and doing whatever and everyone primarily well recently the year that i played they had an initiative to bring in more people of color and black and brown people um and so they because the, the festival is pretty expensive and they did this i forget queer fam fund or something like that to bring in more queer bodied people and Basically, they pay for everything. They provide you with like camping equipment. And so I was booked as an artist. That's pretty awesome. Because that community fund that they were doing happened. Like I felt a lot more like held and celebrated there than I think I would have if those people weren't there. Um, Because it's pretty like a lot of gays, like white gays, (laughs) that like are the majority. Um, but there was, there was like certain points in time where we were dancing for hours where, you know, everyone stopped becoming like themselves and sort of like merged into everyone else. And I don't really know how to like really have language for that, but it was, 
it felt deeply like spiritual and like I left feeling like incredibly like healed and liberated. Um, and so, I mean, I've always sort of believed in that sort of religion of, of nightlife. Um, and I, and I surround myself with people that also like have that devotional aspect or devotional relationship to it. Because I do think like there is some people that aren't really like there for that. They're like, they want to be seen, you know, and that's fine. There's enough space for all of that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I guess in like approaching it with this idea of heaven, I'm very much, sometimes I'm like skeptical of even using the word utopia um, because it brings in a certain language that I'm not really interested in. Like I'm not interested in creating like these like futuristic futures <laughs> mm. or something like it's not like i'm not approaching it in that way i think i'm more so like talking about failure and a feeling of belonging i think i don't know but no 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 i i, I think i follow it's more like in just like a utopia in like a almost emotional human way like it's not so concerned with like I mean, we're also on the dance floor. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you should, I feel like to even, you you would be kind of a, a dick asshole to even, I guess, bring all that other baggage. It's almost like, you know what I'm saying type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, but I also think about it in like how it relates like to other like genres of music. Like I, I mean, obviously I'm like existing in a techno like house trans community of queer people but even like bomba in puerto rico like it's been a way for people to relate i guess it's a point of relation like it's with the musical familiarity of like okay so bomba is a is a black puerto rican music genre and it consists of live drummers and a vocalist and it's sort of this call and response uh performance based like dance that there's a dancer who sort of reacts to the music but then informs how the music is played um and there's been times where i've had the same feeling in those spaces as well those being not so necessarily tied to queerness but i do think like there is an innate queerness and blackness um but those spaces have become like a way for even puerto rico to be exalted back into the black geography of the caribbean because it has a sort of like musical resemblance to certain musical genres in the rest of the community the, the they're, they're, they're cousins yeah and yeah. so there's a way there's like this point of relation point of entry that people come in with having this shared like knowledge, this shared experience with a certain type of music. And so there's a familiarity within all of that difference that is allowing for this sort of devotional thing to go about, to, to be enacted. Which is like, I think about that the same way as like how religion is like played out. Do you feel like, uh, I guess for lack of a better, do you feel like this like, 
spiritual affects from like shared intention is something that you're conscious of and you representing like those devotions in your studio practice? Or do you feel like that unattainable sharedness that you're experiencing when you're in these transient spaces is something that's not like, I guess, what's your relationship to describing that? And then if it is something that is a goal, like, what do you think your work is like saying about that? Like, what is its like relationship to that, uh, that shared intention or that like spiritual affect of togetherness? Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely am approaching it as a way of like, okay, so there's this concept of destierro in my practice, which is, which means to be torn from the land. Basically, it doesn't necessarily have a direct English translation, but it relates again to this feeling of belonging, but has been used historically to talk about. Could you say the word again, Jesus? Destierro. D-E-S-T-I-E-R-R-O. Destierro. And it, yeah, so it relates, it's been historically used more so to talk about like political economic instabilities causing a sort of diaspora. But I've like contextualized it further to talk more about Black and queer fugitivity. And how I've understood fugitivity as is the act of embodying so many spaces. And which is something that like my collaborator and I like had worked on, uh, Leah Solomon in Hot Time, this short film we worked on sort of to like iterate it um, in a short film to think more about this like continuous motion as a way to disinvest in a sort of gaze. Um, but in, in, in the work that I've been doing in relation to these spaces, um, I, I guess in the quilts, the digital quilts I've been working on had that function more as like an archive, but it has this like innate, like autobiographical sense to it because it does document my, my existence in these spaces. Um, and my involvement in these spaces and how I felt belonging in these spaces. Um, but I feel like in auto, like in a bi- autobiographical approach, you're able to like fragment yourself so that it, it does come, become much more universal than something more intended to be universal. Um, so I'm thinking about it as a way to archive these like moments, I guess they're, they're, they're 3D scans of like dance floors after the, all of the, the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also potential spaces and of moving bodies. And my use of potential spaces is a way to like fabulate a sort of criticality to it, like criti- criti- using critical fabulation as a way to like collapse this idea of like site specificity because I'm not completely tied to the idea. I actually have a lot of like frustrations with site specificity. Talk um, about it. Cause I know material specificity and land acknowledgement is something that's like kind of integral to a surface level understanding of your like work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I mean, I, 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 like I get the, how site specificity works and like, I think sometimes it's a bit too easy and not, 
it ends up like memorializing or monumentalizing something that has happened in the past. Um, and that's something that I'm not necessarily interested in, in my practice. Like I'm not necessarily trying to remember like an atrocity that happened in space or a certain like traumatizing history that is, that happened to a, to a, to whatever. Mm. I do think like, I think I'm approaching that with, again, this idea of fugitivity and coming as it, as with this history of migrancy within my family that doesn't necessarily feel belonging to a land because I have historical attachment to it. I feel belonging to a land because I feel comfortable with the people around me, or I feel belonging to anything. I feel belonging in general. I don't necessarily have to feel belonging in relation to land. I can feel belonging in relation to a community I'm a part of. And especially as queer people, like having to abstract our surroundings is like such a, having to abstract ourselves in relation to our surroundings has been such a way of like coping and like existing. And so in my land installation work, it's sort of that reiterated onto the land. Um, but also so many other layers with like all these other ideas within my art practice. Um, yeah. And so I, to go back to your question about how does this like relate to the work that I'm doing or something like that. Um, I think, I think it's like a way for me to like one archive these spaces, but again, to iterate this idea that geographic pinnings aren't that important. I do know that there's a like a very, I mean, obviously there's this deep history with land acknowledgements and indigeneity in America. Um, but also like coming and like think, thinking about like a black indigeneity in America and the idea of missing, there is like, this is like the land that we have actually. Like there's like, but I also, I don't know, I guess I, I'm like, those, those are the questions that I'm like going through in my head, like as I make that the, the land installation work. Um, Cause I've played around with site specificity as well with it. But I don't know. So what does it mean to be a Black fugitive? A Black fugitive? Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't know what that exactly means. But well, I, I mean, when you, as you investigate. Yeah, as I investigate it. I mean, I think about Blackness as being something that is fugitive as just as long, just as similar as like queerness is. And so like fugitive is like, always like running away from something and like although although i do believe like blackness has its own identity its own like presence there's this fluidity in it that will always be adapting or changing and like reifying itself transforming itself and that's sort of like reification like perpetual rendering is like what is fugitive like to continuously reinvent to continuously like 
be not something. (laughs) So like, so like, that's also like how my qualms with like painting, like specifically like canonical black art, there's this like notion of what black is. And like that I think is a completely wrong approach. It's not necessarily that sort of like approach is like very much invested with a profit in relation to like the art market and having white people having proximity to owning certain type of works that they're um, surrounded by a certain type of politic. Mm -hmm. Um, But moving with it's like fugitivity and like asking more questions rather than saying things as a statement, I think it's much more generative and further complicating and reifying it in a way that is more akin to its fluidity is the way. Right. I have one more before Reggie asks you. Um, We talked a lot about the dance floor. Um, What does it mean to DJ? And we didn't really speak about Marenx. Can you just (laughs) expound on both? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's my DJ moniker. And um, it's the, okay. So my, I feel like my experiences in nightlife are definitely like informed obviously by my DJ practice and how I'm mm-hmm. celebrating most because of that. Um, but I've had experiences in those spaces, even when I'm not playing where I like, it would be like a disservice for not to be like, for not to bleed into the work that I'm thinking about and how I feel like a lot of ways, like so much of the theory behind black, like intellectual, whatever black theory is deeply embodied in nightlife, specifically black and queer nightlife. It's like deeply, deeply embodied. Like I see it like happening, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like you say it and you do it. It's not necessarily about, it doesn't have to be so cerebral, which is something that frustrates me. And I'm going to say something like a hot take maybe, but like, I feel like straight people, I don't know, they exist in such a different way that I don't know, like you're, you can definitely sit down and like key about it and think about it, but you can actually like live this life, you know, like, I don't know. No, I know exactly what you mean. Like, and uh, yeah, which is like, kind of like, like looking at, <laughs> looking at certain people's work and like, just, it's just, it's so limited because it's like, there's no degree of like fantasy, which I think is like, important mm. well there is some people who do engage in that but i feel like the people that do engage with that are the like queer people i don't know but it's like interesting though sue i feel like i just um i want to talk on this note before we try because we're all tra- like trailers in conversation but i love um yeah i mean like if me and xavier talk about this all the time like this diversion point of being someone that's like of the world and is involved in living as an actual human like aside from everything else like we have our own interests we have agency in our choices Mm -hmm. and like we have agency in things that like we question but you look at you know some of our peers yeah in certain spaces and there almost (laughs) seems to be like i i don't know how to word this but like i'm trying to word this in a generative way because i also understand that like for some people, a relationship to representation, like, is something that they really be thinking about. Like, 
Yeah. And like are really haunted by that. Like they wake up and they're like, I need to be seen. And I, I, you know, I wonder what that does for creativity and fantasy and like what those types of restrictions do for how you're even able to like see. Um, yeah. So uh, before you even answer that, yeah. we'll, we'll cut out at the two minute mark. Okay. So okay. Was, okay. Um, yes, 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 yes. Um, so much to say about that. Like, I feel like representation is such an easy fix. Like it's not, doesn't require that much work in my opinion. There's not necessarily in this sort of transformation of like, anything it's like the quickest answer to the solution is to like produce more images in this like gigantic web of images <laughs> to add humanity to something that is already human and i don't really like resonate with that because one again talking about black fugitivity i don't think it's really sort of trying to be a representational image i don't think it's sort of like easily represented outside of like blurring it. So it's almost against the whole thesis. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. against the whole thesis. Right. And like, it's very much like, oh, we can do this too, which is like really corny and like outdated. Like, <laughs> no, first literally. Wave, first wave, <laughs> very first wave identity politics, which is like so much of what like canonical black art has become is like, yeah, I'm gonna put a painting up where is a black person on a horse or like, using these sort of like European like aesthetics to like mm. add humanity to black people. No, literally. And it's and like, it's like, there's it's, niggas already famous doing that, bro. Yeah. Like, literally, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna do them. No, we don't have to, we don't have to do that. But like, literally, it's like, bro, sorry, but. but and, then, and then, and then there's like, the market is that. Like, that's, that's what sells. That's the like, other aspect of it. All of it. Like you're selling all these, like bodies on a, on a, like painting is so easily understood because it's like, we, there's so much history behind you it. Do the you know, same, how, to, you know yeah. how to understand a painting quickly. Like there's not any nuance. Well, I do think there's some nuance in painting. Like I see some painters having nuances. No, we have yeah. just like in a general, where it's at right now. Right. Like, as far yeah. as like the low, more local levels. Of yeah. It. And like, honestly, I'm going to talk some shit because I just had this experience with a certain, residency that you know sort of prides himself in like having this like nuanced approach to fine art where they want to um bring in emerging artists without gallery representation to like you know exalt them into mm -hmm. the art market into this the space but then like announce a whole cohort full of painters and some of them are already signed to galleries which is just like does it make any sense? And like having an interview with them, like I applied with my portfolio, which is not object based. I don't have objects right now. Well, I just made some, but like, yeah. And they were asking me for objects. Like, what do you, how, where did you get objects from in my application? And it's like, and then I, I actually asked them, I was like, you know, I've noticed you start, you support a certain type of artist, specifically 2D sculpture based work how do you support artists working in digital and ephemeral mediums? Mm -hmm. And they were like, um, 
there were others that were like, we don't know, but we're trying to figure that out. But then like announcing of right, y'all well, not trying to figure that out. Actually, not figuring it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not it, like, out. you know, I'm not gonna say the name because this is gonna be posted online. But yeah, it's just frustrating because it's like the ones the the opportunities that really give you the money, like 20k, 30k, like and a studio are only invested in painting. And like, take a level of conformity and painting. Absolutely. Like, the saddest part about it. Like, so that's, look, I'm going to say, I know we're going to have to cut out soon. And I don't want to like provoke another question, but I'm thinking about what you were saying maybe like two weeks ago, Xavier, when we were having that conversation with Jermaine just about um, we're going to have to look back at history at this time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the craziest thing about it for me is that you look at a black art canon or just an arts canon in general. And at least in the States, I can't speak for other places. I not really that. Yes, yeah. But Explored. Yo, it's gonna be a solid 60 years of just the same shit over and over again. And I'm not saying that that's like a bad thing, but like we supposed to be like of the world and expressing our individuality. You look at some people's um, practices and you speak to them and they could be like really prolific in the way that they move through the world. But like with the things that they make, there's a a inclination of conforming. Um, And I know that like that has to do with the art market. I know that has to do these things. But I'm also wondering, like, are we even at a point of like, I guess, I don't want to say like back burner, but like as arts workers, arts professionals, curators, criticism, or art appreciation, are we even at the point to like deal with a diversity in ideas and media? Because you also go to these spaces and it's the same people that have been working there since the Harlem Renaissance, you know? It, though the people that were interning there <laughs> are like the directors uh-huh. now. And no, because like shit be seeming like so one to two, yo. I'm not even trying to say names, so it's making it kind of restricted. But like, I think it's definitely something to think about, like what we look like in a time capsule. As like we talk so much about not limiting blackness, and I think, I think we all have an image in our head of like what being a black maker is right now in this day and age, and even like in the small categories that occupy the outside. Like I think all the different minorities have their like stereotypes of what's in the gallery right now. You know, there's even places in the market where people have like, like fabricated smaller inversions of what the higher bidding and art like selling houses are doing. Like you can go to Atlanta and buy like paintings all afternoon that look a certain way but also fund that community's artistic like financial market so it's also weird because it's doing things there yeah it's systemic obviously being a great artist helps a lot like (laughs) if you have if you have good and original ideas like you kind of get exempt from this but what do you say as someone who's kind of you know what i mean stacking up the cv and yeah, I'd say that I've I, there's very few artists I could even compare you to. So how do you how do you first of all how do you have those conversations with the arts admins people? Is it is it in person thing? Is this an email thing? 
you know, um, it's going to be super important when I guess the, our, the people after us when I have to deal with this shit. Yeah. I mean, I, okay. So after, right after graduating undergrad, it was so depressing. I, got, I literally got declined from everything that I applied to. And like, I had to take a break and to really like digest every single thing that happened and everything I read and continue to read, read, like I've had to like have a point away from everything to like digest it and like live outside of it to then like come back to it with this like renewal and finding out that it's like more so about like a com- like relationships with people like like I applied it literally applied to so many things that I don't even know mm-hmm. but also like actually building genuine con- connections with these sort of people that you know just allows for them to like support you easier like i've been obviously like being in new york has like been incredibly helpful i think like in chicago there's a i don't know i didn't even get the chance to like experience like the postgraduate like chicago art world um but i i feel like it was invested in like the institution as i see so it, it felt really easy to like get into it but um moving to new york and not knowing like probably any of the art community here i was i think i had more connections through nightlife and even like finding so many of those connections that i've had now in the art world are coming from like nightlife <laughs> Like there's like, so you much know, just that are right, right. At the rave, you know, like legacy Rose will be at the rave. All these people are at the, at these spaces that are, you know, believing in the same thing. But, um, even with my experience with, uh, working with Ben, uh, Brome, who does, what is that? I applied to this grant that. I'm forgetting the name right now. What is it called again? A blank, drawing a blank grant or something like that. Um, And connecting with Ben. And he's been like really like exalting me in these spaces, like putting me in like, like dinners with all these people. Like I was, before I went to, left New York, I was sitting next to Matthew Barney and like for this like Ro- like Rauschenberg Foundation dinner. And it was like, you know, it's insane. And I don't know, it's like, it really depends on like, sort of like building a community and like friendships with all of these people that are also doing the same exact thing or trying to do very similar things that you're doing. Um, can, you, can you ask that question again? I feel like I'm- Yeah, I mean, you kind of hitting it on the head just, how do you definitely answered it. Yeah. How do you deal with conformity? How do you, what does it feel like to be a trailblazer? Jesus? Yeah. How do you not <laughs> fall into those pitfalls of like, this is what yeah, I need so to I, mean, I, I, That's actually a conversation I've talked to a lot of people about. Um, and it's like a, a lot of people are having this sort of conversation as well. Like, so I, I think a lot of people are aware in the ways they conform to have a sustainable practice. And even like doing this fellowship, Leslie Loman, they've got me thinking really about like 
what it takes to have a sustainable practice, like what sort of income you need to like really support your projects and all of this. And so right now I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out ways I can monetize off of my work. Like I'm thinking print sales um, because yeah, it's unrealistic to not think about that. I think it's like important and like, you know, to preserve a certain beauty in your work, but there's also like a real life thing where you got to pay your rent mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, and a lot of like things, like people want you to be like fully a full-time artist. So how do I manage the line? How do I stay authentic, but also cut the appropriate corners where I can still play the game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's something I'm navigating now. Like even with, you know, I'm starting, I'm starting to make objects. And the so I'm working I'm working on this fountain that sort of taught, like iterates on my or makes work about like this frustration that I'm having with like representational work. Um and it's like largely inspired by Fred Moan's quote that's uh, it's from the undercommons, he says, um, refuse that which is refused, and in that refusal, reshape desire. And he, I think he was hinting at sort of this like him missing history of what has been refused, like this like refusal of history within like the Middle Passage and like the transatlantic and all of the obviously mm -hmm. that history that's intertwined. Um, and so it's a sort of a way of actualizing that metaphor. Um, and I'm using this hydro printed image that sits on top of the water, which is a, a photo of the horizon um, generally. So thinking about the horizon as this colonial space that is a point of relation to one and the other and point of relation between oneself and desire, something that is unobtainable, always moving. Also, like you can attribute it to like ideas of black fugitivity and queer fugitivity, but also um, just a point of relation um, that one experiences desire, like moving towards something that continuously moves away from you, um, and that has a historical like backings in like the westward expansion in the United States, but also of the Middle Passage throughout the the, the West and all of that. Um, so in the act like work or what I'm proposing with this fountain is that the sound of the, so I'm soundifying the image as well. So it's extracting using like a, like a program software that I'm using to soundify this image to then use that sound to rupture and distort it. And that's like decaying away at this image. Um, and then after this decay happens, collecting the remains, the fragments of this print, of this film, as an image. Um, so that's, I feel like that's a way of me, like, starting to, like, think about this way of, like, still staying true to these, like, divergent, like, approaches in my practice, while also sort of creating something that is representational. Right, so still no 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 so still getting at this you yeah want, you're yeah. working with the ephemeral but 
somehow including the object that they want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, that's the thing that's so fascinating, I think, to me at least, and maybe Xavier as well, because like, you know, we've known that you've been brilliant for a really long time, but also I know that like, just like us, like we have a a surplus of interests that we're trying to serve, like through the arts, rather it be conceptual space making, ideas of luxury, like access to travel. These are all things that I know that we're like interested in. I'm curious if at the point that you're at now, you're entering the art market, you're, you've been exhibiting outside the States, you've like, um, and making like site work outside the States. Like, I'm curious if your preferred viewer has shifted, if the relationship to like, what you want out of art appreciation for yourself and your practice has shifted, especially with you being in New York in a city that's so like, you know, there's so much going on and there's a certain level like, um, I think a bias that forms when you live in like an insular pocket like that. I'm curious, like, are these things that you're thinking about or are you still just making for your own curiosities right now? Like, what does the market look like for you? All of these questions about the person on the other side at the gallery. I'm curious, like, what you think about their role in the process. And yeah, just what you're thinking about in general now with viewership. Like, you're a DJ and a sound artist at the same time. Like, those are very similar spaces, but the types of people that float in and out of those spaces, you know, it's it's nuanced, so. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I think I, I definitely do have a shift about like who I think is my preferred audience. But oftentimes, honestly, the only time I think about audience viewership intentionally, like I think about it, obviously I think about it, but like is through performance. Because I think performance is like so much about how the audience is perceiving what you're doing. So that is a conversation that I have to engage with. And like, I want to engage with that because in my performance work, I'm mostly primarily thinking about this impossible complex within the hypervisibility and the invisibility of the black body. And so that's something that I'm, that dichotomy is something that I'm sort of confronting as working with my performance work, which is, which really right now only looks like akin to the hurricane because that's the only performance work I've been reiterating um, and using like the masquerade to enact this invisibility, but also the spectacle of carnival as this sort of way to like embody the hypervisibility aspect, but then using this like photographic lighting. So it's like, a, it's always like now I'm doing it in just in dark rooms and having this strobe enact a sort of phot- photographic revelation, like, you know, revealing the stand like, to the, to, to the, the audience. audience. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so like there is like viewership is like specific, very specific. Whereas in my quilts and maybe some of this object work, I'm not necessarily trying to tell you. I'm also not really, okay. One, I'm not interested in being that esoteric. Like I think some people will love, love that shit. I don't really care for it. I want you to have the information so that you can really engage in the work. And so in my 
descriptions for shows, like in my recent show, I describe the work thinking of what my intentions were, what I, I don't know what the work is always doing, obviously, because it could be read in so many ways, but I, I cite who I'm thinking about. I cite the ideas behind work because I, I'm much more interested in like having it read correctly than misread. But like still open to like obvious interpretations. Like I don't. Right. But as far as like how you want to, I guess, how you want others to see how you published it. Yeah. Like I, I, for some reason, I feel like I have to communicate the theory behind it. But I think that's more so about being traumatized from art school. <laughs> no, I think so too. It's it is. Hard. But like, you know, conditioned to like always have to explain a certain concept. Specifically, Black artists have like this pressure to be like conceptually bound. Um, and, you know, a white person can get away with like not having to explain it. Although they may have been doing, res- they may have been doing research or have some sort of theoretical backing, but there isn't like a certain urge for you to explain it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I feel definitely much more pressure to explain something. But I also want to be like canonized in that world. Like I want to be like making work in relation to some of the theory that I'm reading. So you kind of talked about like the, I guess, artist pressure side of it. Of like, I want this, I put all this work into this and I am intentionally doing things. You should know about that. But also this the institutional almost oppression side of it like like now i have to investigate okay why am i even making this work like mm-hmm. is this for me is this yeah. like even beyond is this for me like literally why am i making this thing like you you kind of spoke on that artists being Black artists feel like they have to be conceptually bound. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I, just, I like took a derive from Reggie's question too about, you know, having shows and doing this work outside of the U.S. and how it shifted. Um, I don't think I have a specific. Well, actually, I do have a specific audience because I do, like, the more I have studio visits with straight people, mm-hmm. like, the more they just think, like, queer nightlife is just about going out or something like that, you know? For some people, that doesn't necessarily ring the same bells. Um, one, because they probably don't read the same things I'm reading, and two, because they don't live... That life. That life. Yeah. And that's fine. They don't, don't have to do it, but they can enter the work. They can enter the work with certain form of qualities. Like I do think about beauty in my work, and like making things nice. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about like feeling the need to talk about your work because I feel like your work, specifically your work, like it yeah. does have that visual beauty quality to it like all like literally all of it I, there isn't a piece where i'm like this is like really structurally sound but like he could have exe- they could have executed better like no I, there's yeah. never you know like even without the explanation like so i, I it's just kind of interesting because it's almost like 
maybe you're at a place where you're asking yourself if I even need the descriptions at this point. Yeah, I, I am. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily have any of the, any of the answers. Like I, I feel every time I have to show something, I do feel conflicted in how much I want to share about it. And I don't know. I think it's like a process that every artist has to like think about. Like, For sure. But I think it's different depending on the caliber of artists and yeah. not to put anyone down or even just to raise you <laughs> higher because we have you in high regard. But um, I just as you started to talk about just just without you even talking about it, I have in my head that you make visually stunning pieces. So yeah. even just to hear you talk about, I guess, that thing we all face as artists is interesting because, I mean, I feel like regardless of what you choose to do, we enjoy you as a maker. So it's... I, I was uh, actually, that reminds me of a question. I was watching this interview between Fred Moten and American Artist. And Fred Moten asked American Artist, what does he think about beauty in his work? And he said, like, I think, I think he said something about, I think it's naive for someone to, like, not engage in beauty, especially with a certain art market. And, like, you can have some, like, you know, anarchist approach to it all. And, like, you know, like, fuck, fuck everything vibe to it. But, like, I think there's a certain level of beauty that allows for people to access and be interested and invested in something like for it to look interesting you know like there's a certain interest in that that is just innately like how we view art that's the thing that's so fascinating i think about where we're at right now as far as like how we consume culture because you know i i think it's such a rock and a hard place because i i'm in a similar place to where you are jesus where like i really do believe that like intellectual generosity is important because you set a tone for expanding people's relationship to it. You give other access points, other vantage points. And like, particularly like in a black theoretical framework, it's important because we often like flip and use language for our own means. And I think the specificity around how we describe things invokes particular things. But, you know, when you exhibit, you aren't necessarily dealing with a preferred type of person. Exactly. And I definitely have noticed the ways that like people are uncomfortable by philosophy or uncomfortable by sociology or uncomfortable by these things that fit outside of um do I like this? Because there's this this issue where people still think they should be advocating for their likes, not necessarily their perspective. And I'm wondering like, you know, with you occupying like all of these institutional spaces, but at the same time, still being very DIY, still being in the underground circuit, still being someone who values your own freedom. Do you feel like those small moments of like resistance, rather it's, no, I'm actually talking about this, or this is what I'm doing. Do those still feel as important as they felt when we were writing fucking essays in college? Or do they feel like kind of off now? Because at my most recent show, I didn't give any descriptive factors. I named the pieces. I talked about where the materials came from, but I didn't go into what I was thinking about at all. And what was so surprising about that is that at the opening, 
everyone engaged a conversational, I guess, state with me. It was, I don't see any description. What is this to this? And then you see in real time where different people's interests and stuff lie. And like, me and Xavier talk about this in anime all the time, just how like there's a, no, cause no, cause look, there's this thing where like people have this conception that like, why the fuck would I watch dubbed anime? That's, that's not how it's made. Oh, yeah, and like culturally, we've been talking a lot about how like kind of like pretentious that is because it's a created medium for a suited audience in that context. Like you're making it, you know, the sound design has been shifted to suit an American ear the words that are chosen have been switched to suit an American market in that context. And I think about this a lot with visual art, because I come from a painting background where like explaining is kind of distracting. Like I always grew up with that as a kid as it was like, no, everything should be on the surface. But and just as about- a clarification for the listeners, Reggie speaking about sub and dub and the evolution of the industry and how, yeah, maybe your old fucking dubs used to be trash or like, just approach without the same kind of like level of care or I don't even want to say care because there's still people in those rooms making those dubs, but like it's not the same landscape. But sorry to cut you off. And they redub things, they simulcast. Yeah, it's it's which different. is like it's just different now. But I'm I'm just so curious about like what it means to be because you know, in our eyes, like you're a a older sibling figure in this art world shit to a lot of us here that are like here and we know that this shit is uncertain. We know that like everything is ambiguous until you define it for yourself. But I'm curious like how important defining things is. Cause like I was uh, given a question a couple months ago. They were like, you know, what does it mean when the people who understand your work the best are the application panels that you're constantly applying to? Those are the people that you're sitting there writing the three paragraph like descriptions on each image to like and do casual viewers even need that level of specificity for enjoyment like i'm just curious how we think about that because i know that like on a dj setting you're creating euphoria for people through your choices like i'm wondering like how do you navigate that as not only somebody that's using visual art but also like isn't in a lot of ways like i think of you as a filmmaker just as much as i think of you as like a writer even though that's not your thing because we're in this ambiguous place and culture where like you just have to make shit that means something to you like but you can't just say that so i guess yeah. it's like what do you think is important about like that like intellectual generosity and have you seen in real time people respond to that in ways that's opened up like wider conversation yeah. okay that is such a great question um yeah i think now it feels much more futile to be able to skew the conversation around what you want it to be. I feel like a lot of what, how I've even become the person I am now is like through self-actualization and stating that this is in relation to this is like putting me in those conversations. Like me talking about this theater and me specifically saying Yomana Figueroa's name, I've been able to meet her. I've been able to have interviews with her. I've been able to um, be the show that I just opened now. They reach out to me because they found my work in relation to her scholarship. And so 
I particularly enjoy that approach about defining exactly what I find a lot of agency in that because specifically of Black artists working with the certain mediums that I'm working with, like digital mediums, even if I'm using fucking metal, like a lot of the language that people would generally attribute would be surrounding Afrofuturism. And I deeply have a lot of problems with that. I don't necessarily like, I don't agree that any of the work I'm doing is like, isn't that. Is inherently anything. It's like, it has nothing to do with that. Right. It's a complete disinvestment in that in many ways. And I just know, like, even in, like, certain, like, programming, like, they're asking me, oh, what language do you want us not to use? And I've specifically said that term um, because it's reductive as hell. And, like, it's... And you're just not doing that. I'm literally just not doing that. But it's, like, <laughs> something that people, like, bring up. Like, yeah. even, a, even one of the residents here, when I had, like, I'm not going to say anything, but. <laughs> no, and, like, whatever. This person word, word. was like, oh, it's surprising to, you hear that, to hear that you say that because it gives that. And I was just like, you know what? But then I saw their work, and I was like, that makes sense that you would think that because this is where you're approaching your work, your practice as a Black artist. Oh, this is another black person too. You kind of telling on yourself. Exactly, and it's like, <laughs> like we could write, we could cite the sources. I don't know, but um, yeah, I do find that important. But then, even in the the openings, or even in the open studios last yesterday, people have approached me with a certain understanding of the work that is like in tandem with it already, but like completely different understanding of it, which I, I don't think there's any harm in like telling people exactly what you're thinking because at the end of the day, they're still going to form their own connection to it. If it's engaging enough. Yeah. And like, cause you can't always be present with your work to contribute a sort of access like I, I i do think like oh there i think painting works for that you know like i think in painting you can provide a title and a dimension and people can get to whatever they want in that mm-hmm. but i feel like with like newer media that don't have like such a profound history prolific history um that everyone is taught everyone is taught about paintings everyone is taught about sculptures how to relate to those sort of objects and so people can relate to them a lot easier than they can relate to like expanded cinema or a sound performance or. And not even just for the listeners and if, correct me if I'm wrong, but you mean not even like in a conceptual way, but like in a literal medium way. Yeah. Okay. And I think, I think a lot of the access that I want to engage with is more so like a, through an emotional capacity. Like I would rather, I, w- I want to make people feel things. Mm-hmm. Which you are, which is crazy, Jesus, because I'm letting you know what I'm thinking about listening to you talk right now is like, I don't know how to talk about this and not make it sound like a fucking video game, but sometimes (laughs) this art shit be feeling like, you know, you have like regular magic and then you have like arcane magic, you know, it's just shit that's like, (laughs) no, I'm being serious. No, I agree. I love, you know, I play video games. That's what I'm saying. So you have, you have this 
you know, this point right now, and as somebody that's watched your practice develop, it's, it's getting to that arcane state where inherently it's about a mindfulness of body, a presentness in space and your relationship to those things. Yeah. But the branching point for all those things can be productive in so many different realms. And just watching you step into that layer of maturity and professionalism and your practice, one is like really awesome to see, but also like even scary as a bystander because there's so much ambiguity inherently in moving through the world. And that's something you were playing with in college, but now you've kind of shaped your ambiguity around what is Jesus's canon, Jesus's thought process. What does your upbringing, you know, lead you to? And it's, I don't know, like, do you feel that? Do you feel like you're watching the practice form its own conceptual continuity, like in real time? Because like, that's how it feels as a bystander. Like I look at your work now and I'm like, I'm like, I understand what this piece is doing relative to the next piece. But I'm also wondering, like the scary thing about that, like always what comes next, you know? The sculptures you're making right now that have the hog bladders that are being like cantilevered over and look like palm trees in the wind, like makes so much sense when I think about your akin to a hurricane practice, but also like as sculptures, they now open up a new branch, you know, a branch of something else. And I'm just wondering what that new freedom in the studio is like, you know, not just reading things and being like, damn, that's interesting. I wonder how... I can incorporate this in my thought process, but now being like that form I made a couple months ago makes more sense now, you know, Yeah. how do I approach it? And fuck, we're going to have to cut, but I really do. Yeah, we'll want cut to, it to again. We'll cut it to again. I'll say, it's just a simplified question. I'll say like, what do you have to say to people that are out there making right now, still in their vacuums that haven't found their intended viewer or inherent community yet? And then what do you, what would you say to like your younger self back when you still felt lost and homeless in this art shit? Um, Cause there's a lot of makers out there that I know feel fucking homeless. Rather they're isolated in their cities without community or like stuck in aesthetic of their, of the peers around them. Like you're taking that creative leap and building, you know, your realm. And I just, as someone that's trying to do that myself, I just, Curious about, are is there easier ways to get there or is it just time, you know? Is it who you're around or is it like you have to earn being around those people? So, mm. Yeah, that's a really rich question. Um, like, okay, so I think that... Wow, I feel like you asked like 20 questions at once. I know, but I'm, like, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to Yes. Firstly, I think... I don't know, damn. Like, damn. <laughs> I'm like, is there a way you can repeat? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Say, say to your past self, some things you would mention to okay, your past self. So what would you say to your past self? Um, Yes. Just to say in general. And then the second part of that would be, what would you have to say to the younger artists in their practice, not in age, but in, you know, just in the practices? Development. Yeah. There we go. Development. What would you have to say to those that still feel homeless and still like, you know, you're at a point where you're using theory to advocate for where you should be, not 
how you should be there inherently. You know, I'm trying to get these gems for the listeners and myself on how yeah. to mature into building your own realm. Well, okay. So I think one of the things that I, in my practice that I find successful is the iterativeness of it. Like to reiterate every single process to be able to actualize a certain truth. Like repetition makes things true or make them feel true. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like how I've embraced failure within my practice and how I've been, been, how I've been able to like, really just actualize some of the ideas that I've had. Um, and, I, and I think like even one of the things that, I guess something that when you were asking those questions, talking about that, I thought about Parable of the Sower by Octavia, Octavia Butler. Butler yeah. And she sort of made this religion that I identify a lot with in the, in the book, um, Earthseed, you know, God has changed everything. I forget, I forget the quote, but something like that. And like embracing that sort of like religion and self-actualizing yourself um, was a way for me to like create this world or this like body of work that I'm working with right now that I guess starts to be able to like apply to so many other things. And I'm thinking about how it all started, but I don't necessarily know exactly when it like sort of shifted. I know that a lot of things began to make much more sense after I left an institution, after I left SIC, and like just really having like time and stillness away from that um, to be able to, yeah, to again, like to come back with this like renewal um, that is much more self-determined and much more like sure of itself. And I'm not sure how I became sure of myself, but I know that it was like uh, a decision to just trust the process. Like to like right now I'm like engaging with these objects, these certain things, just because I'm interested in them and not necessarily because they always mean something else. Sometimes I do like engage, like I feel like the fountain is very much like a concrete idea in my head, but the palm tree, like, hog ladder thing that was more so an interest in a material rather than such like research heavy mm-hmm. like cerebral, cerebral work going yeah. on yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah and i feel like now like being able to like iterate a studio practice while i'm at this residency i've been able to just have that sort of freedom to just be interested in a material and to continuously like work with it to then like have it maybe apply to some of the ideas that I've already working in my practice. But yeah, I feel like just like being honest with yourself and like, don't be afraid to lie too. Like, I feel like I lie all the time. Like, I think it's important. Now <laughs> it's important for you to clarify when and how you're lying. Cause some niggas yeah, is just I mean, gonna be like, oh, I can lie. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> okay. I'm thinking about lying as like fabulation, like making something like true to be critical of what the real thing is, if that makes sense. Like making my mom in uh, this video game be a part of the Young Lords party in her teens to be critical of the certain type of sovereignty in relation to Puerto Rico and a migrant body. I see. Like that's how I'm like lying. 
Like you're like who's gonna fact check me if my mom wasn't young once or not? Right, right, right. But That's also like you you yeah. create your universe. Yeah, it just like literally, but I'm also like coming through it from also video games, like y'all, like being able to like have so many choices and like making these expansive worlds that um allow you to self-actualize some sort of like reality. And I don't necessarily know what all of that is about and what it all means but like i i don't really know how to like communicate how i got to where i am now but i do know that i don't know what the hell i'm doing <laughs> i'm kidding i mean it no that, 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 that answered was, it yeah like literally yeah. and i think you also asked me like what i would say to my younger self mm-hmm. um i think i was like so preoccupied with finishing things in undergrad that a lot of it, I mean, I think everyone is like, pre- like there is like deadlines that we have, but like, like having, I need, I like, I need, I needed this time to slow down to really like just be an actual human being and like, sit with everything to be able to make successful work. But I also noticed this sort of shift in my practice where a lot of everything was so embodied. Everything was like my body's in it. I was a performance artist. And like now approaching it with this completely disembodied approach, I feel a much more... I feel much more potential in, in, in the ideas that I'm working through, if that makes sense. I don't know. So almost like a, just make, stop being so worried about it type of thing? Well, no, I think you should be worried about it. <laughs> like be worried. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, I think I care too much. Like. No, no, no. I didn't care too much. I feel like I have no regrets. And I think all of the things that I like was going through and thinking about in my my younger self has been able to like get me to where I'm at, exactly where I'm at. So I don't necessarily think of ways I could have did it better because I think I really did apply myself. I, I think I did like as much as I could and like I've I've just always have like work have been like had a, a strong work ethic. Like I think just having a, a strong work ethic continuously like making like making sure you read, like just read everything. Because I don't think I, my work started to be actually good until I was like actually reading. Me and Reddy talk about this too. Reading wow. and finishing. Reading you gotta finish. No active reading. Taking look, having notes. Like, where do the do the motherfucking reading? <laughs> do the reading. It's not like the, uh, the professor reading. now. Do the reading. Yeah. <laughs> um, like it, it shows because I've had studio visits with random people, and they're like, "I don't read. It's too academic." But you live, you live and work in academia. Like, I don't get that. It's Excuses. I don't know Google. You're not really qualified. We talk about this all the time. Like literally, this is what we talk about. Just about how like people let their like 
three traumatizing experiences with like an older person who obviously is upset about their situation define how they view the whole last things i'm like okay your professor was an asshole but also like <laughs> they used to like for me i'm like bro we're black they used to make so, they used to make it so we couldn't read right and, like i like, no literally literally that shit is lazy i mean okay i'm not gonna say that that's probably some people actually <laughs> have like <laughs> things that that don't allow them but whatever. those but of us were learning disabilities like work through it like literally have a like a group of people you like find a group of find a community that can like help you understand it like daryl and i like talk about this shit all the time like we'll read a book together and help each other understand something like i don't know i feel like it's one like theory and all of that is much more of an excuse to like build a community around a certain idea that allows you to reiterate embody and like that's like understand work yeah um you spoke about just your use of your body and your work um you do have publicly available a performance uh a body of crossroads with another person can you just talk about the the, the choice of having your own body or including someone else is that something you even consider now is it has it been a decision where it's only i'm only going to use my own body and then i also want to think about just how that comes up as you become a Renex for the night. And like now you're dealing with a bunch of people and are almost controlling you. Yeah. Um, I have not thought about composing like a sort of performance that other people perform. I think like I have like a innate autobiographical approach to my practice. So I don't always like apply to someone else. Although I do feel like that is, I, I do enjoy that in other people's work as well. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like I, if I had the resources, I would like do more work like that. Like if I can pay people to like perform for me or do this sort of performance or make even to make the work for me, like, please. Like, once I get this money, y'all, I'm not going to be in the studio. Like, all this time, <laughs> like, I'm in the studio, I'm like, this is hell. <laughs> this is hell. Building that speaker, that was hell. Hell. Like, I have photos. I was covered in dust. I'm, like, death by sawdust. <laughs> and, like, yeah, just wait. Give me, give, me these mo- give me this money. I'm having studio assistants. I'm having people build my shit. Like, trust and believe that that is going to be me because no. So, okay. Talk to us about that. Is that, and I know what you, no, I, 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 Xavier know what you mean by that, but just for the listeners, is that just I mean, like, I mean, uh, I mean, okay. I do want to make something. Okay. Yeah. So you, yeah, you know, I was about to go with that. Make, like, it feels like good to like make work on your ideas, but like mm. the hard stuff that you don't know how to do. And you have to like spend three months learning the learning just even how to engage from yeah exactly like you got dissonant from the original idea and no literally you're like i don't even want to make that shit no literally like the video game i'm working on like like it would be so much easier if i just like have a video game developer like doing all the things like yeah i can do a certain thing to an extent but like when it comes to like coding and all of that shit like i have to pay someone else to do it because there's no way that i i'm not gonna spend three years 
learning how to code. That's the that thing. I and that pride aspect, that pride aspect is so hard to work through, Sue. I feel like I talk to Xavier about this all the time as my practice is growing. Like, you know, I love printing, but there'll be times I'll be working on like larger prints and I'm like, how much would it be? Yeah. And then I check it and then I go <laughs> back to what I was doing. <laughs> really do be like, it'd be like, we're all working in collaboration. I didn't build the wall, this thing hanging no, out. No, literally. If you really want to get into it. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I didn't build the wall, this thing hanging on. I'm done. No, literally. I, literally. But as we wrap up, <laughs> is there um, any work right now that you, know, you want to take the opportunity to use the podcast or just this recorded platform to document where you're at with it? Like, could you speak to... Uh, what things you've been grappling with in the studio um, yeah. or just like life shit in general, like moves. I know you have performances coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how are you? How is your mental health? How is your personal stability? Yes. Okay. So that part. So right now, okay. I guess like ideas that I'm working through in my practice, there is like for so long, I've been trying to iterate this idea of like, consists constantly moving constantly blurring as like a means to like disinvest in a a certain gaze but also what i found missing is something that i've like really like come to understand here specifically in omaha is this like a sort of stillness that allows you to like really digest everything process everything and so i think right now i'm making things that are sort of trying to find this stillness or this i guess rootedness in in this ever-changing whirlwind of of a space that i'm like making work in and so that's how i've come to like make those objects uh with the with the hog ladders and the the metal um as a way to sort of like you know iterate that that rootedness or sort of like you know finding belonging within it. And like, even in the the video game, I think I'm thinking about it as like a way of like actualizing a certain sovereignty to a migrant body. Not so necessarily tied to a nation, but more so about someone in flux. So again, kind of dealing with those, the not like the space, but the created space by the experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah i have like a lot of things coming up um you know modern x is uh in demand and we are going places which is great very much so really happy about how like i've been you know making a name for myself through djing and being taken seriously in those spaces um but yeah, I'm going to San Francisco this week, actually, and then going straight to Berlin from San Francisco, which I don't, that's like. It's going to be a little. Yeah. <laughs> that is so far. That is so far. And. Uh, <laughs> literally. And then from there to Castle Documenta. And Looking busy. Yeah. Okay, and going to Mexico City and then back to New York and then another <laughs> and then I don't think I'm like gonna be home until like October, late October. Oh yeah. 
booked up. Yeah. Yeah. It's so for up. those listening, it's today's July 24th. Okay. <laughs> this this is what it looks like. Yeah. And I just got I just got another booking in Atlanta. So like it, it's it's like I am very stressed out. Like I'm stressed. Like this is stressful. Like mm-hmm. it's consistently I don't get a lot of rest. Like I don't. And Sometimes I need, okay, I definitely want it. I definitely want like a vacation. I don't want to work. Like, that's why I'm like, why am I even like in the studio? Like, this is how, like, this is like, I'm always working, like, tired as hell. Um, but Mentally I mean, and physically the, the fruits, taxing. The fruits are being, you know, given to me. Mm. So I'm like, I can, I, I'm, some, I'm trying to grapple with that right now, like, trying to figure out when to say no, like, what things can actually be postponed. You know what I mean? Like certain opportunities, I don't feel like I can say no to, like the documentary thing, yeah. or Berlin, or this show that I don't even know if I can talk about yet. But yeah, intuition plays a great part in all of this. Yeah, but that's yeah. the thing about it, Jesus. Like you're someone that, and I'm pretty sure your friends, your loved ones, they all see this too. Like when you're like a a spark in your local community, you know, me and Xavier always ask questions just about what self-care looks like when you know your self-care is still leveraged on what you have to do in the moment. Like, it's not like you can just stop. Then the beginning of all next year would be a slump because that's how the nature of the field that we're in. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I mean, you're like truly, truly brilliant one but also like radically unspecified. Like when we thought about the creation of this show, you're definitely one of the first people that we thought about. And I just wanted to let you know that like people see your work and people will exercise. Hopefully those that are listening that know Jesus, like exercise care for you in ways that maybe you can't see like in the moment. Cause I know for all of us that work for ourselves, um, we're always working. Yeah. Like we try to romanticize it, change our relationship to what work is, but we're always fucking working. And I mean, literally as niggas who make a bunch of shit in different mediums. Like we talked about photography, objects, dance, performance, 3D. We didn't even di- we didn't even dive into that. <laughs> hey, video this game is working on a video enough. game. Like literally it's enough like, to <laughs> so much yeah. in there. Yeah. And you incorporating different parts of your practice in the video game, like doing photo scans, 3D scans, like it's motion capture. Right. Come on. I'm playing with Jesus. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I mean, some that's something that I like just realized. Like, who asked me if I was my self-care routine was? Um Ethan. Ethan was like, what does your self-care routine look like? I'm like, <laughs> I get in the shower <laughs> right, like bathing myself and then washing my face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't have like I don't really have one. Like that's like I'm so grateful that I have like people that around me that are so also invested in my future as much as I am theirs. But like without the the community that I have. Like I would be struggling <laughs> um, because yeah, I don't know. But I also like do things that like bring me a lot of joy. Like 
I'm a, I'm a, like, DJing is, like, really, really, like, healing. And, like, just, like, also just dancing for hours, like, that just feels really good. Maybe that's my self-care. Mm. Um, yeah, nightlife. <laughs> like, it's funny because it's, like, most people think of night, uh, self-care as, like, solitary or, like, you know, being by yourself. And, like, so part of that is true, but, like, I feel like, a, I feel a lot of, like, growth and healing in a dance floor but also like be rejuvenated yeah and like yeah. to be surrounded by a community that is also invested in the same ideas right. and also i think you asked something specifically about like like a cert, being a part of a certain community in new york like so much of the people that are in the nightlife there are also like working artists that you know have certain eight like similar ethos that this is why I'm saying like this is like people are embodying this sort of like poetics in in these spaces because they're also reading other things and then embodying them. I don't know. Or I guess they embody and then it turns into reading or whatever. I don't know. It's like it's, it's uh, greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, definitely. That answer all the questions. I feel like yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you've been great. Been very open. Yay! Super generous. Yeah. I hope that your stress like dissipates as you like notch things off. I feel like I've been noticing that like stress has been occupying my body differently. Like I won't notice I'm stressed until I'm done. Like I'll finish. Like I'll be at an opening. I'm like, oh. you know what? <laughs> I did just finish stuff. <laughs> like, so I hope that you're you're present in that because that taking care of your like mental health is definitely the key, the key component. I mean, we all know what sh- how shitty it feels to not yeah. be like to but also and I mean, mm-hmm. even to that, like I mean, one of the best ways to take care of your mental health is to take care of your physical health. And you are constantly dancing. Dancing. That but is it's- true. It's, it's all yeah, I part of you getting your cardio in. Yeah. I'll be catching those head bobs. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's that thing Jesus invented? The little table? Oh, the, no, I thought you were talking about... No, he got two out of this, this, this joint. It's all so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but look, Sue. I forgot, yo. <laughs> dead. Wait, I'm dead. I'm dead. Thank you so much for coming in. Let me die. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm dead. Wait, what was the other thing? The uh, this joint? Oh yeah. (laughs) That joint was crazy. Yeah. What was that from? I don't know. You remember? But you was like like one day, and it was just stuck. I'm fucking dead. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you were able to come through to the pot today, Suze. I'm grateful. Yeah, thank that, you so much for coming. You know, you're in conversation with us. I'll let you know as far as like uh, support and anybody that's listening. Hey, Zeus needs support. So financial support you can send. You can send studio visits, inquiries about the practice. If you guys are collectors, tap in with Jesus. And that's and- Jesus Hilario.com. J-E-S-U-S. H I L A R I O dot com. Okay. <laughs>
And the website is also like OD. Very hard. Yeah. It, it's yeah. speaking to the practice. Visual experience. Come on, man. On deck. Yeah, it takes way too long to do that. <laughs> it was yeah. worth it. It was definitely worth it. Okay. Anything you want to say in closing? Leave the people with something. Uh, you know, thank you for having me on this show um i know i it's been actually a long time coming <laughs> and a lot of rescheduling but i am really happy about this conversation and feel really good and celebrated and i appreciate y'all for inviting me absolutely and, man I'm excited to love your one day we're gonna get a uh, sound input and we're gonna have ah, clap the sounds and sound <laughs> 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 that little, uh, little button boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 